Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Hey, Hope Brooklyn. Hope you're all doing well. My name is Bryant. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Brooklyn, and I'm so excited to be able to kick off our new series called Detox. Um, we're still on the topic and the theme of togetherness, of what it means to be a community as one, um, especially during a season and time when we're also scattered and separated and kind of feel isolated. Um, and as we continue to see, as we start the series on detox, um, the purpose for it is because in the past year, if you're like me, we've picked up a lot of new things, whether it's hobbies, habits, um, things that we've created to become the norm. Um, even picking up the language of social distancing, Never used that in my entire life. Probably used it more this past year than ever. <laughs> um, it's just become a natural part of our language. Um, you know, pods have become a natural part of our language. Quarantine. I used to be terrified. It was, that used to be a word that was used in horror films. But now quarantine is a natural part of our language. And so we've adopted a lot of things in the past year in order to survive. And I just want to acknowledge that it's okay. You know, we had to do what we had to do. But at the same time, I think there are things that we have adopted, we've picked up that can hinder us from further growth and future growth with one another and with Christ. And as a church, our hope and our prayer is that we will never, we won't be in this season for too long. You know, I know we had this eager anticipation of, you know, I look past on previous YouTube videos of our services and almost in the beginning, it's like, hey, this won't be for too long. So who knows? This might not age well, but it's okay. Um, we're hoping that there will be a day that we can gather together and worship freely, safely. And in order for us to move into that movement, into that mindset, there are things in our lives that we need to detox, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical. I got to detox all this quarantine weight that I gained. It is not good. I've just been lounging around and, you know, tracking my steps, which is near zero. Um, but we've, we've figured out ways to just become comfortable and settled in. But I think it's a season where we need to challenge ourselves of what it means to be the church, of what it means to gather again, to love Christ and to worship Christ as one body. Not to say that we haven't been doing that from our homes. Not to, be, not to say that we haven't been doing that separately. But man, what a joyous day it will be when we're able to worship God in one place, one voice together. So as we kick off the series, um, we're going to be talking about detoxing our habit of isolation. And this is a very intriguing thing because um, I don't know if Russell pinned me for isolation or not, but I like being alone. I, I love being comfortable at home. Um, my wife, Christy, knows it, it's, a, it's a battle to drag me outside for a walk. She has to convince me, like, hey, we're going to go for some coffee. We're going to go for some food. Right? There has to be incentive for me to leave the house. Otherwise, I'm just home all day. I just bought a new chair. It is super comfortable. I am settled in for the long haul. So as I'm preparing the survey, it was kind of speaking to my own self, speaking to my own soul of what it means to detox this habit and this mindset of isolation. And, you know, we, we, we've adapted because as human beings, we're so good at adapting to suffering. We, we do what we need to do. And many of us, whether we're single in the home or, you know, we have a family, married, roommates, um, whatever the uh, situation may be, in the season of the pandemic, we have learned what it means to be isolated. And we've figured out how to do it well, whether it's we picked up a Netflix subscription, right, or Disney Plus, HBO Max, Hulu, 
Um, my wife and I picked up all of them. So we've been binging through every type of show you could ever imagine. Um, we've picked up things of like becoming accustomed to Zoom. Um, some of y'all love Zoom. Some of y'all hate it. Um, I, used, I used to never FaceTime before this pandemic. Uh, my wife knows. Um, just text me. Um, but the season has been a time where I have to show my face a lot on Zoom and it's, it's painful. I, I, it's not like, I'm not self-absorbent. I kind of stare at myself because I see all the errors. And the, I see the room that's messy. I see my face, my hair, my clothes. It's just a nightmare. Um, it's just easier to turn the video off and just be anonymous. And even that, we've learned to become so anonymous during the season. And I know there's a lot of like memes and things going around talking about how for all the introverts, this pandemic and this quarantine was just a great excuse not to hang out anymore. You know, we think of reasons like, oh, I have something coming up tonight. But hey, it's quarantine. I got to be safe. I'm just, you know, isolating at home. And we've done these things and it's just become a natural part of our life now. It's not so shocking that we're six feet apart. It's not a shock when someone has to be home and working from home. But I do want to challenge us that during the season of isolation, I think our spirits, our, our emotions, our hearts have been damaged because we've learned to cope with the pain. We've learned to cope with the, the, the loss of friendships, the loss of relationships, the loss of seeing one of No matter how introverted we may be, no matter how much social anxiety we may have, there's this deep isolation that's hurting our hearts because it's leading to loneliness. It's leading to being, uh, the, the fear of being alone. And yes, I know for some of us, we may have deep social anxiety. And you know, I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine and I said, man, I miss just giving a handshake. <laughs> I miss just giving a hug. And she responded, I don't. <laughs> so I get it, I get it. There's some of us that don't miss that. But I think what happened during this pandemic is the isolation that we actually had prior to the pandemic has just been exasper exacerbated. It's just, it's just grown, it's just becoming the front. Believe it or not, I think New York City, if you're in the city and you've been here in the city long enough, you can be seen by millions per day, but still struggle, still struggle with loneliness and isolation. So here we are talking about detoxing the isolation in us. What does that look like? And why is this so specific to us as Hope Brooklyn and as a community that desires to know Jesus and to walk towards Jesus? And today, there's three things in mind that I want to talk about. Because I believe that in, in a season of isolation, when we're dealing with isolation, we lose out on a big piece of what it means to know Jesus and to know Jesus through community with one another. Um, and this used to be a big conversation that was around before the pandemic. Why can't I just do church alone, right? And I remember there was this whole argument, like a season of like, hey, all these churches, all these virtual churches, these online churches before the pandemic, they're not serving God, right? Like, this is not how to do church. And the pandemic hit and everyone's like, oh, that's the way to do it now. <laughs> well, that's the only way. We were forced, our hands were forced to be able to do church that way. But I do believe that that is not the way that we're designed to be. And so, yes, it has served a purpose. It has served a season. And in this season of isolation, I think, you know, in that conversation, why can't I do church alone? And some of you may, have been, may enjoy doing church this way, you know, um, I, I know, and many of you have confessed and confided to me that you just wake up in the morning, sometimes we're still in bed on our phones, watching, watching, watching church, worshiping, right? It's so convenient, um, and it's convenient for my wife and I as well. I'm going to be honest, just waking up, having a pot of coffee, and just going to your couch, turning on your TV or your laptop. 
It's very convenient. But I want to make a case. There are three things that we lose out when we do church in isolation. There are three things that, are, that we will not be able to thrive in because we're doing church alone. And the first is perseverance and hope. It's going to be a tough season to experience hope and to persevere, especially when we're in isolation. And here in Hebrews 10, verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And here's the big, you know, kind of the, the pivot point. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold. And I know some of us in this season, has been a, a, it's been a dark time. Whether it's been, you know, a season of we don't have our jobs, we can't secure a job, we don't know when the next, you know, paycheck's going to come in, we don't know if we're going to have money to eat for, buy groceries for next month, can we pay the rent? I know it's been a tough season for us, maybe some of us, you guys had your career path set, you had a trajectory, there was momentum happening, you were going upwards, and everything came to a stop, and maybe your business closed down, your, your, your company closed down, and you feel like you're starting back from ground zero. Um, one interesting thing has been a lot of people have been creative in their future career choices and options. Should I explore this and should I explore that? And that's just the creativity and the power of, of us as humans adapting. But I know there's a lot of pain that's happening. Some of us here has lost loved ones. And in that season, there's a lot of moments of laments. Um, for me, I, I think the last time I shared, I, um, I shared that I lost my grandma. She passed away on Christmas Day. But two weeks ago, my grandfather passed away too. And this past month, man, it's been a season of just terrible lament. Just being able to cry out to God and knowing that I have permission to be able to mourn and to grieve and to lament. But I'm going to be honest. If I was left in isolation, I would have no hope. I will be stuck in that place, in that valley of darkness, crying out in pain, asking God why. But thanks to you, my friends, and those around me that have encouraged me, that have comforted me with words of scripture, worship songs, just anything, any small gestures. It's been a moment where I can know that God is still good. And there's, perse- there's perseverance in my heart to continue fighting the good fight and pushing forward with my faith. There's hope in me. And a lot of people have been, been asking me, thank you, like how I'm doing. And oddly enough, I'm doing all right. I think I'm doing more than all right. And you know, as I share this, I, I share this not because I want pity. Um, and honestly, that's the last thing I want. I don't want anyone to pity me because I do have this hope. I have this hope that, or a reminder that you guys have been sharing with me that my grandfather and my grandmother are worshiping the Lord in heaven. They're together and they love God. And they're they're singing all the hymns as they sang the hymns in the living room when when I grew up. But I'm not sure if I would have this perseverance in the faith if I was left on my own. If I was left in isolation. And here it talks about, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And I don't know about you, but I'm a person that could get lost in my dark thoughts. It is just a rabbit hole. It is just a well that I'll just keep digging, right? And even though I know the light is above me, I'm just going to keep going down into a darker place. And I'm, I'm known to just spiral like that in my own personal thoughts. Even though outwardly I might not show that or express that, inwardly my feelings and emotions can be in that place. 
But thanks to you and thanks to those around me who have encouraged me and reminded me that God is still good and that He loves me and that He loves my family. And even the simple reminder that my grandfather and my grandmother are with God in heaven. That I'm, I'm able to profess that hope till, till, till this day. That God is faithful. And I believe that when we're in isolation, that perseverance is lost. Um, I don't know, I know Russell's been giving a lot of sports analogies in the past uh, couple of sermons, so I'm sorry to hit you with another one. Um, this one isn't too specific. But if you know in any competition, it's so hard to do it alone. <laughs> it's so hard to be, you know, maybe some of you are just incredible self-motivators. I need an incentive. I need, some, I need a team around me. I need accountability. I need people around me to compete and to stay hungry and to stay passionate. And in the same way in our Christian faith, there are going to be moments when we feel like we're being hit hard by God. Right? We feel like we're in a place where we're being challenged and we feel broken and we don't feel like we can get back up. And in those moments, that is when the community comes together to pray for one another, to believe in miracles, to have hope that as one person is struggling, there are others that come by to lift us up. And so that cannot be done alone. The second is, accountability and responsibility. When we are in isolation, it is so easy to be in this echo chamber of just doing whatever we want and to continue to think the way that we want to think and believe in the way that we want to believe. And it's a very dangerous place to be to not have that accountability and responsibility because we can look at the scriptures, we can look at God and we can create God in our own image. We can shape Him the way that we want Him to be shaped. His beliefs are going to reflect our beliefs instead of the other way around. And here it continues in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So here it says to spur one another and to encourage one another. It's a unique thing because when, when I think of the word spur, like to spur somebody on, I think of someone on the sidelines like cheering, like, hey, good job, you're doing it. But the reality is this word spur, it actually has some tension. It has conflict. When he says to spur one another on, it means to essentially call somebody out. <laughs> and, you know, if you're like me, I like to be in control. So I don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> Or, you know, to be called, and if you're, if you're married or in a, in a very intimate relationship with someone that knows you and loves you, man, it hurts. <laughs> you know, defensiveness is my mechanism. <laughs> when my wife points something out, I get very defensive. <laughs> you know, she points out something that I, I say, hey, you know, did you mean it that way when you said this? I get very defensive and I go through a list of like, why, why would you interpret it that way? It's a very interesting rabbit hole to go down. But when we are absent from accountability and responsibility, and we ignore the voices that God has placed in our lives. It's a way that we could take God and shape Him to be the way that we want Him to be. And in, this, in the way of accountability and responsibility, it's also not just for motivation's sake. It's not just for encouragement's sake. Because the author talks about that too. To encourage one another. And I talked about that little piece of the perseverance and hope. But I, I want to sit on this idea of accountability. Of what it means to deeply love someone to speak truth into their lives. You know, when's the last time someone has ever spoken to you about the struggle of greed, of no, noticing jealousy, of noticing being, coveting something, of noticing something that is in our hearts, that is a behavior that is destructive, that is painful, that is hurting others, and how have we received it? 
See, in, in a Christian community, right, and that's one of the rich things about a faith community, is that because we love one another, and because the truth is not our truth, the truth is based on who God is, we're able to speak love and accountability to one another. It's painful. It's painful to be told that we're controlling. It's painful to be told that we are hurting others. It's painful to be told that, especially in a very independent culture, where, you know, let me just do what I want to do. Let me be me, right? Like, don't, don't get in my business. Don't bother me, right? I'm just going to make my own decisions, right? And even to some degree that we'll say, let me learn from my own mistakes. That is true. If you're stubborn like me, you won't get it until you learn from your own mistakes. But there's this, there's this community that is rich in accountability and love. That when Jesus came to earth, he wasn't just spewing love, which was a big piece of his ministry, but he rebuked. He spoke. And I know that some of us come from painful places where we only experience the rebuking. We've only experienced the judgment and the correcting. But there's a balance here that's happening. It's a spur one another on. It's encouraging one another. There's comfort and, and rebuke coming together. And when the rebuking comes from a place of just judgment, it's not going to grow in a, in a healthy way. But when the rebuking comes in a way of deep love and care for you and for you know, one another, man, there's so much richness to that. There's so many ways that we can experience more of God through those moments. And yeah, sometimes God may be speaking loudly through us, through, through scripture, through prayer, but we could ignore it. And there's a unique thing where God has placed people around us to help encourage and to be disciples of one another with humility. And I think that's the big piece. I think so much in this age right now, in this past year, um, it's come from a place where like, I'm right and you're wrong. And that's not necessarily the right way to approach it. I believe it takes a lot of humility and a lot of moments to listen to one another. Even if the person you feel like is in the wrong or, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's kind of like where my mentality always goes. But to receive that word as well, there's accountability. And when we're in isolation, that's challenging. And we only begin to live out our truth and this echo chamber of what we listen to and what we watch. And we begin to ignore all these signs and truths that God is trying to place in our lives so that we can grow and draw closer to Him. Also in isolation, we lose responsibility. And this is something that's kind of been very like heavy on my heart that is the biggest grief I have of this pandemic, of doing church online, is that we lose the ability to serve and to sacrifice one an- for one another. I-, I miss the days in PS261. Um, and some of you that haven't had the privilege to be able to experience gathering with us in this physical space, and we had some amazing, amazing people in our community. We had people coming in early in the morning to set up the tables, to set up the coffee, right, to make sure everything was done with excellence, to set up the nursery, to prepare worship, to prepare brunch. Um, I remember when I first came to uh, Hope Brooklyn, I was mind blown that brunch was served every week in a school cafeteria, uh, prepped and made by the very people that were part of our church. It was so bizarre to me because it was radical. (laughs) It was sacrifice. And I know those of you who were part of our brunch team in the past, God bless you. Um, I still remember those days where you were just working hard and tirelessly in the heat with no AC, sweating, making those chocolate chip banana pancakes. Um, we've lost that ability to love and serve one another. We've lost the ability to be able to greet each other with peace and love and to pray for one another, laying hands. And see, when we're in isolation, it's so easy to serve ourselves. 
it's so easy to build comfort around their living room. Um, and tell me not, you guys can confide and confess here. What have we done in this season, in the past year, to make our homes the most comfortable place? Because we knew, hey, we're not going out anywhere. We can't go out. And so we've built all these things that serve us. And we've lost the ability to serve one another, of what it means to be a good neighbor, to love others. And so that peace, we cannot do in isolation. We can only do that in a rich community that is vibrant, that comes to love and to sacrifice. And lastly, in isolation, we lose the richness of God. Yes, during our services, and I hope in the past year, um, I can't believe it's almost been a year already, of doing these online and you know, pre-recordings live, pre-recordings live. I know we've done the whole measure, the whole gamut. And I do pray and hope that you have been able to experience God because His Spirit is not lacking in those places. His presence is still the same presence that met us at PS261 when we gathered on Sundays for prayer gatherings. His presence is still the same. But I realize we lose the fullness and the riches of God in isolation because we cannot experience God in the community but through one another. And just as I talked about, we lose a sacrificial piece of just being alone. We lose this piece of serving others by being ourselves and being alone in isolation. But we also lose this. And um, I know Russell quoted C.S. Lewis too uh, last week, but here's another C.S. Lewis for you. Um, this is in his book, Four Loves, where he talks about different, um, the, the different aspects of love. And this is when he talks about friendship. And in this piece, um, C.S. Lewis, some of you may know, some of you may not, he was part of a group called the Inklings. Um, it was a group that just met together, shared readings that they wrote, um, shared ideas, and just ate together. Um, but in that group, they lost a friend. And C.S. Lewis says this, In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I, cannot large, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's tokens reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. And this friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven itself, where the very multitude of the blessed, which no man can number, increases the fruition which each of us has of God. For every soul, seeing him in her own way, doubtless communicates that unique vision to all the rest. That says an old author, is why the seraphim in Isaiah's visions are crying, holy, 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 to one another in Isaiah 6.3. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more we shall have. So in this, C.S. Lewis is talking about losing a facet or a part of his friend because another one has passed. And in the same way, when we're experiencing God alone, we are missing out of a big piece of God that we get to experience when we're gathered in the same space to worship together. And I think that's the uniqueness of the church. And so many times we argue, what is the right way to worship? Right? What is the right way to worship God? Is it to be contemplative? Is it to be expressive? Is it to be quiet and reflective or to be loud and vocal and passionate? And I think it's naive for us to judge one way or the other. I think when we begin to experience God in all these avenues, we experience the riches of God. Um, for me, I grew up in an experience where, um, I was, I, believe it or not, it was a very vibrant and loud church. 
Um, prayers were meant to be vocal. Prayers were meant to be loud. Worship was meant to be expressive and passionate. And so I never understood the contemplative side of God. I never understood the holy aspect. I understood God as my friend, my father, this intimacy, but never as his holy God. Until I went to a church in England. And during that church, I was with um, uh, my Bible college, actually. We had a trip out to Scotland, England. And as we went out there, we took a Eucharist. And in that moment, we started reading through the common book of prayers. I've never looked at the common book of prayers prior to that. I remember reading and like, oh man, this is so robotic. This is so mechanical. But something in that moment, as we're just repeating the words in the book, just I felt this beauty and this glory and this holiness of God that I've never experienced before. No matter how good the worship was, no matter how powerful the prayer time was, I never felt that nearness of God. And that comes through our different experiences, our different cultures, our different backgrounds. And as we come into one place as a unique group of individuals that have different worldviews, different experiences, we get to experience God in the fullness of the spectrum, in the fullness of His beauty, and the richness of that. And we cannot do that in isolation. When we do that in isolation, we just experience a very two-dimensional version of God, our God, that is created from our past experiences and our current situation. But when we get to see people worshiping with joy, even in the midst of brokenness and pain, we see a beauty. When we get to see people deep in contemplative prayer and reflection, we see that they are experiencing this holiness of God that we can't bring out ourselves. So why do we need to detox isolation? For us to fully experience God, we need to be with one another. To experience the richness of God, we need to experience one another. And here, you know, it says to continue, right? Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I love that part, all the more as we see the day approaching. And I know the writer is talking about the one day in heaven, the glorious day, right? When everything is, heal is healed and renewed. But for me, even in a short term right now, I want to continue meeting together in whatever means and whatever possibility that is safe and you know, healthy. But until that day comes, and I said this early in the pandemic to myself, I'm like, man, right now, not being able to gather physically, I know the day that we are all in the same place, that worship is going to be amazing. The joy that we're going to have. I mean, I get happy when I see some of you on a Zoom call that I haven't seen in months, as much as I hate Zoom. You know, it's so great to see your faces. I'm like, hey, you're still in Brooklyn, <laughs> right? You're still there. You're still with us, right? Some of you, I've seen literally your babies growing up through Zoom this past year. It's incredible that we have this connection, but I can't wait for the day that we're approaching when we get to meet together and to worship God out of isolation. And so how do we do this? A, let's begin by sacrificing and serving one another. I know we can't do that physically, maybe. Maybe we were able to drop off some gifts and some bags, you know, and some you know, packages and food. But what does it mean to serve and sacrifice one another in this time? It could be a simple thing as reaching out, giving up some of our time, some of my own emotional capacity to say, hey, how are you doing? To give up some of my time to pray for somebody, to send a text. So I encourage you, after the service, if you've been doing service alone all these weeks, all these months, Right? And you haven't typed in the chat, hello, <laughs> or texted anyone, do it now. Do it today. 
Reach out to someone maybe that you haven't talked to in a while and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. I'm there for you. Another way we can do and start getting out of this habit of isolation is, hey, we have some amazing Sunday house churches happening, virtual and in person. Or if you want to create your own pod, which might just be you, your one cousin, and your mom, that's fine too. That is a pod. <laughs> Let us know. We want to be able to support you. But whether it's online or together, let's start doing this as one. There are some great leaders and great hosts that have been part of our community serving this Hope Brooklyn Church for the past year since the pandemic has started. Reach out to us. We want you to be connected. How else can we start beginning this detox of isolation? I think A, and another part is to get out of this mindset that we're alone, to draw near to God. And I know some of you may feel like, hey, isolation, I'm not doing this by choice, right? I'm in a season that's very painful and that's hurting and I feel alone. And I want to just share my encouragement to you that in, in Mark, as Jesus is dying, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And initially you might think, why is that encouraging to me? <laughs> it's because on the cross, God was officially isolated from his own father. He was alone. His friends have abandoned him. His, his own disciple has betrayed him. He is on the cross, absolutely dissolved of any closeness with the father because he was bearing all of our shame, all of our failures, all of our mistakes. And because he has endured the greatest isolation of being separated from his own father, we get to inherit this great richness of being near to God, of being able to draw near to him no matter where we are. He is near to you. And there's a great healing of Jesus with the leper. And it's an interesting story because as a leper comes out to Jesus, he reaches out and he touches this leper. And in Leviticus, there's actually all these laws of you know, how far a leper has to be separated, that you know, he has to actually come into his room and announce, unclean, unclean. And that passage and that story of the, the leper has not rang true more today than ever before especially during quarantine, right? We were all just imagining that everybody has COVID around us, right? And imagine somebody will have to announce themselves walking. Hopefully they're not walking around, but, you know, walking around, they have to announce that they're unclean, right? I'm scared to cough on the subway. You know, I'm scared to drink water the wrong way at a restaurant. Like, it's, 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 it's how it is right now. But imagine this leper has been removed from community his entire life for God knows how long. He has no name in the story. It's just a man that has leprosy. But Jesus went across to touch him, to lay hands on him. He couldn't have done that. Jesus could have stood on the other side of, of, of the field and been like, hey, you stay over there. You're clean. You're healed. But he wanted to show a demonstration of his love that is physical, real, and tangible, of his presence, laying his hands on the leper and restoring him. And see, as that physical healing happened, as a man was healed of leprosy, Jesus didn't only heal him of his physical sickness, but he restored him back into the community to be with others. He removed him out of isolation. And I believe that today that Jesus can come into your life, to, into your living room, into wherever you are right now, lay his hands on you and remind you that he's near, he is present, and that he is calling you to draw near to him. You are not alone. You, are not, you will never be alone. Because Jesus has endured the greatest separation so that we can be forever close to him. And as this Hebrew writer writes, all this, we persevere, we have hope, we have accountability, responsibility for one another, all for the purpose of drawing near to Him. So church, 
Let's draw near to Him together as one body. And let's start asking God to remove the areas in our life that we've created as a defense mechanism, as a form of blanket and security so that we can survive this pandemic. Saying, God, we don't want to be isolated. We want to be together with your body, this rich and beautiful body, to serve, to love, to do good deeds, to, you know, to spur one another on and to experience the fullness of who he is. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being the God that has taken upon the greatest separation so that no matter where we are in this pandemic, we are not alone, that you are with us and that your presence is with us. Father, some of us may need that healing touch today. Reach out to us. Heal us of our loneliness, of feelings of being abandoned. And God, restore us once again with the hope that you are near. And whatever things that we have built up in our lives to adapt and to cope with in this past year, God, I pray that you may remove that. And instead of indulging in those habits, may we just begin to draw near to you and to enjoy your presence more than all those other things. And God, teach us what it means to serve one another, to sacrifice for one another, and to be with each other so that we can experience the fullness of your grace. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.